0: 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper
1: deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one.
0: From inside a conference room, inside the warehouse, inside Oriole Park at Camden Yards, this is... The Mass and All Access podcast, Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanquio, Blanco, Blanco. Join-
1: Blanco, Blanco. <laughs>
0: White and Spanish, Paul. All right. <laughs> Joining you as always. This is going to be a podcast where I'm going to butcher a lot of Spanish names. Yes. So you
1: know. <laughs> this is why I'm here.
0: Uh, we're going to be touching on a lot of stuff, including what the ors are doing with their international bonus slot money, them missing out on a couple guys within the past few weeks, and what do they do now with a lot of money that they're sitting on. And not a lot of players to spend it on.
1: And where do they go from here? I mean, are they falling behind the eight ball in terms of hiring players? We've seen um, the Angels make a manager hiring. We've seen the Reds make a manager hiring. And we know what the Mets are doing in terms of their search for their replacement at the GM position. So, yeah, not too much going on, but some stuff we had to... Uh, touch on Paul and uh, we want to keep our O's fans updated throughout the offseason as
0: always and we don't have any hires to report as of right now hopefully soon within the next couple weeks or or so according to Rock Kabako before we get into all that be sure to subscribe by the way like give us five stars on everywhere that you can find this Apple podcast Google Play all that good stuff listens are up but uh, we have just a few five star ratings. Uh, we yeah. need to we need to boost those. Bobby. Yeah,
1: please give us a rating if you like. You know, even if it's not just five stars, let us know what you think.
0: No, no, only if only it's five, five stars. stars. We, we only take good call. criticism. Um,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, let us know what you think and uh, spread the word and yeah. uh, let all your Orioles fans know that the best information is coming right here, the Mass and All Access Podcast. And
0: of course, follow us at Paul Mancano and at Bobby underscore Blanco. All right, let's get into. Some of this because I know a lot of Orioles fans are upset. Victor Victor Mesa is going, going to Miami, who changed their Twitter name to the Miami Miami Marlins. <laughs> Classic. Uh, the Miami
1: Marlins Jr.
0: Yeah, uh, the Miami Marlins Jr., Yep, yeah, because Victor Mesa Jr., his younger brother, uh, five years, his junior, I believe, is uh, also going as well to the Marlins. Two guys that... Orioles fans had latched onto whether there was enough steam going that way. Anyway, Orioles fans chose to jump on that bandwagon. And, you know, we could see it building, Bobby, that if they were not going to sign these guys, Orioles fans were going to be upset.
1: Right. And, you know, the Orioles obviously have not come out and said that they were looking for. We knew that uh, Brady Anderson and a couple of his folks were down at the showcase at Marlins Park a while ago. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of the writing on the wall that the Orioles were looking at these specific players, mm-hmm. uh, the two Mesa brothers and then also Sandy Gaston um, to Go after in the signing in the international bonus slots. So that's why they gathered this money with the trades with the Braves. They yep. so, got gathered a lot of international money, and then even Dan Duquette before he, um, you know, it was announced that he has been, he's going to be on his way out at the end of his contract at the end of the month. Said, you know, we're trying to go deeper into the international pool and and so to speak, you know, dive deeper and then um, get some of these high prospect players to really be this core centerpiece of this rebuild and and build up the farm system and get, you know, we see a lot of teams are getting really good players in the international pool, especially Latin players, yeah. and the Orioles just haven't been able to do that as of late, and this is going to be the start of that, and you unfortunately miss out on the number one prospect in Victor Victor. But then also his brother, who was a top prospect for a 16-year-old, yeah, um, considering his age, and then also Gaston, who ended up signing with the Rays.
0: Yeah, Sandy Gaston, a 17-year-old. So a lot of these guys, Victor Victor, a little bit on Gaston the older side. Because I was actually side. 16. I 16. Saw, yes. Okay. Uh, a lot of these guys are on the older uh, or on the younger side, even though Victor Victor is 22, 23, I believe. So he would be closer to making the big leagues, but. These guys are years away, um, and so for a team that's really getting into the beginning stages, this is still the baby steps of the rebuild, would be nice to have those guys. Now, that's not saying a lot of you know international prospects are in the same realm as draft picks and drafted players where anybody can flame out at any time, and they're not guaranteed to work out, but it would be nice to have that uh, little bit of talent to grow on, especially because this team has done so little Less than a million dollars spent last year in the international, uh, with their international slot money. That being said, they still have signed some guys. I think it's a misconception that they, uh, some people think that they don't sign anybody. They right. did sign nine players last year, and we're going to go over some of the guys that they have already signed. Remember, they signed some guys in August, but still a far, far less money yep. dedicated to that, and I would say a lot less talent that the Orioles have been able to gather over the past few years.
1: Yeah, and don't get us wrong, credit where credit is due. The Orioles have acknowledged that this is something they haven't done in the past and yeah. they want to start doing and you know, I, I you go back to Orioles fans being upset that they, they didn't get the Mesa brothers or even they missed out on these three players. But, you know, I think realistically, you know, I, I, I think it's one good that they at least considered those guys and were up in the front at the top of the list yeah. for those players. But realistically I don't think there was ever a really good chance that those guys would have come here. It's a tough sell. We right. were talking about three Cuban players and the two Florida teams were easily the top mark. I mean, I mean, it's just a fact The Baltimore, Baltimore is just further away from home. Yeah. They're young players. I mean, again, yeah. Victor Victor's little brother is 16 years old. You yeah. want to take him all the way home out of his home country and then further up north away from home. Yeah. And then, you know, also realistically – The Latin community in Miami and in Tampa Bay are just so much larger than here up here in Baltimore. You know they are for young players, they're definitely going to feel more at home in Miami and in Tampa than they would here. And it's just it's kind of a a no brand. I think it would take a very would have taken a very special offer from the O's to to really draw those kids away from close to home.
0: Exactly, and that's why I think it's not as in much of an indictment on the Orioles franchise. And ownership and all that, as some people might think, they might say, oh, well, they just—Orioles can't convince anybody to come here. Well, it it is a huge, huge factor that Florida is closer to Cuba, closer to home, and there is a large uh, Latin population there. And that's something that both these guys mentioned, Victor Victor and Victor Jr., uh, saying— Quote, it's not a secret there's a lot of Latinos here, a lot of Cubans here, so we feel like home here, said Victor Victor. And Victor Mesa Jr. said, all of the Latinos here, all of the culture here is one of the things that I like the most. So clearly these guys had their sights set on a place closer to home, and I agree with you, Bobby. I think it really would have taken a special offer to pull them away. And it's not like the Orioles didn't have anybody to represent them. They had Brian Graham, their interim GM, to sit down at the table. So it's not like this was a headless search for these players. They had somebody to sit down. They might have presented themselves well. There was just no overcoming that large factor, which is Miami is close to home, large Latin population, and a a whole lot easier of an adjustment for these young players.
1: Right, and I think the the one thing that – if I were in the Orioles, I would have tried to harp on his going to Victor Victor's. He again, he's older, twenty two, so maybe, obviously a little more mature, mm-hmm. a little closer to the big leagues. Um, being like, you know, hey, you'll be with your brother the whole time. Yeah, um, come up here, play in the American League East for us, and you know, you'll be going, you'll be going up against. The Red Sox. Look at the Red Sox. Look at the Yankees. Yeah, you you could be the face of the franchise that makes us a competitor again against these iconic teams that obviously they know of. I mean, baseball players, especially Latin players. You know, those high profile teams get all the attention in Latin in Latin yeah. countries. So, um, but yeah, again, it's just tough to bring young players. I mean, you can also compare it to like college recruiting. Yeah. But the difference there is that these kids aren't just going from one American city to another; they're going from a different country to another, and so like, it's tough to be just completely submitted into an area where there's not much of a culture. You know, where you know, who are they going to relate to? Who are they going to talk to on their off days? It's just such an easier sell, Miami and Tampa Bay, than Baltimore, unfortunately.
0: And the one thing I will say about the Orioles is, it's also tough to sell them. To sell prospects on an organization that doesn't have a great track record of developing and building those prospects. The Orioles really don't have much of a track record, especially in recent years, because they have not delved into the international market. I feel like you have to build that base. You have to build yourself a reputation of developing these young guys and... So that you can sit down at meetings and point to all these examples of young international guys, just like Victor Victor and just like Victor Mesa Jr. And just like Sandy Gaston and said, hey, we did it with him. We did it with him. They're now major leaguers. We're going to do it with you. The Orioles don't have that at this point because they have been so slow to get into the market. And that's something that they're starting 10 steps back on. Now that this market is booming and it's huge and it's bigger than it has ever been, and they're at a d- distinct disadvantage.
1: Yeah, you say ten steps back, and the Marlins are already a full block ahead, so <laughs> to speak, because they've been in this rebuild for a full year. But yeah. they completely cleaned house at this time of last year. Yeah, obviously trading young college Stanton, Christian Yelich, all those guys. So they are a full year into their own rebuild. The Orioles just started this rebuild a couple months ago. Yeah, so they're the the Marlins are so far well ahead of them. Even the Ray, I mean, the Rays don't really need to rebuild. They were a lot more competitive than we thought they would be this year. Yeah, but again, just the proximity sell is easier for Gaston. Um, but yeah, so the I I totally agree. The Orioles don't have a track record. They're just now getting really involved into international uh, signings. So it's 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 a harder sell when you don't have specific examples yeah. to point to, being like, hey. We have done this before. We're going to bring you up the right way. You can trust us to make you into major league baseball
0: players. So the question is, how do you break out of that rut? You know, if it's a vicious cycle of we can't get the players to develop them and we can't show these players that we can develop them if we don't have the players in the first place. I think the way that you can break that is you are able to sign guys that are cheaper, that are less sought after, and then you develop those guys, build yourself a reputation that way. And the Orioles have signed a few guys that were a little bit off the beaten path because they jumped into that mark a little bit late. Moises Ramirez, the shortstop, a lot of these coming in August, by the way. Isaac Bellini, the outfielder, young guy. Carlos Delarosa Rosa from the Dominican Republic, those three coming from the DR. Ramirez got the most out of all those guys. He got $255,000, and they also signed a couple of guys, Damian Valdez, and I'm gonna butcher this one. This is
1: one. Uh, this is a. T- I, you're doing great so far, but I, I can't help you here.
0: You you can't, Bobby, I don't think so. Your last name is Blanco. I Give know. me some help here. Uh, J apostrophe R U D G E A, Rudgian, <laughs> Rudgian, Isenia, Isenia, Isenia. Probably.
1: That's a tough name. We're gonna have to ask him. Yep. Uh, so I'm actually curious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they have signed some guys. Hopefully, we'll see some of these guys in uh, the minor leagues in a few years. Yeah. Uh, but. A lot of these uh, guys are were cheaper. They were signed later in the signing period, but hopefully the Orioles can develop some of these guys so that they can use them as success stories.
1: Right, and also if you think about, you know, all right, you missed out on Victor, Victor, and Victor Junior, and Gaston. So you're still sitting on was it almost 6. 6, 5. 6. 6. 6.5 million six and a half million dollars of international signing bonus money, and that you're good to use that up until june 15th of next year right so you've still got time to make signings you can add and with a lot of money and you mentioned the numbers that you those guys just signed for all no one you know the highest was two hundred fifty five thousand dollars so you can go out and get a lot of play a group of these yeah. young players yeah. young talented players and then you would figure a couple of them stick and and were able to fast track themselves up through the minor league system and eventually make their way into the major burst on the scenes as a top prospect you know and two or three years yeah so that's kind of the the upside of missing out on the mesa brothers and gaston is that all right, you still have a lot of this money to spend elsewhere and okay instead of getting the top three guys that you wanted now you can just get a, a whole bunch of guys yeah. and then hopefully and then that's where you start proving that you can uh build these guys up and, and you because you'll have a bunch of young latin players and you just hope that you can I guess, bring them up the right way and, and involve them, evolve them into, into big league players, and or at cer- least a couple of
0: them. It, yeah. And it certainly does hurt that this money doesn't entirely go away. doesn't disappear by next year. You can put it back into other aspects of the organization, such as staffing, but you can't use it next year. It doesn't roll over. Right. So it's not like the Orioles have been building up all this money in the international pool that they can go out and sign a guy for a huge amount of money. Right. Uh, So that does hurt. They're going to have to most likely spend as much of this as they can before they hit the middle of June, June 15th next year, which is when it disappears.
1: I I think pointing towards the staffing areas are crucial too, because Rakubako mentioned also in his morning piece today that they're still looking for... Scouting and and international scouts who can also, you know, probably encompass the amateur and professional markets as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they spend all this money. They're still, I mean, right now they're still by far have the most international money to use of any other team after the Marlins nagged the the Mesa brothers. So, yeah, it's going to be, there's, it's not, not all hope is lost because you didn't sign those guys. They're still, the Orioles can still continue with the way they want to on this uh, rebuild. Um, with this money, regardless of who they got in the past couple of days.
0: That being said, the Orioles did invest heavily in this this particular international uh, signing period. And by that, I mean they traded several guys in return, got money that is only good for this international signing period in the hopes that they would land somebody like a Victor Victor or a Sandy Gaston and have millions to throw at one particular player. At the deadline, they traded Kevin Gosman and Darren O'Day. They got back four prospects, none of whom have really looked great so far. But they also got back two point five million in international slot bonus money. They also traded Brad Brock for two hundred and fifty thousand in international signing bonus slot money. Both of those trades happening with the Atlanta Braves. That's money that they can't use. That yeah. they most likely are not going to be able to get rid of two point five million dollars on one player. I don't think there's anybody worth that at this point that's going to be on the market from now until June 15th. Something could change, but at that point, it feels like that kind of might be wasted money in some aspects. You can use it on staffing. You can use it on scouting, but still, you would hope that when you trade those guys, O'Day, Gosman, Brock, you would get back a little bit more than, uh, you know, money that you can use to pay scouts.
1: Right, and that's that's a good point, and I think we'll – dive deeper into this conversation a little later in the offseason we're also obviously expecting some more breaking news to be coming in a couple of weeks but yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting conversation and debate like all right were those trades worth it you know getting rid of those guys and what the braves got for them who won those trades i think it's interesting conversation i think you know it still remains to be seen how the orioles use this money that they got from them um but like you said things could change I mean, you know they could still again use it wisely and stuff like that um and and in terms of where they allocate that money but it, yeah i mean right now you've everyone was all in when those trades were made they're oh okay go get victor victor and his brother um and then you missed out on that so it's like all right well was that
0: worth it yeah exactly so that's the news on the international signing yeah slot money area There's other news as well happening around the Major League Baseball. Some hires being made around Major League Baseball, including two managers, Brad Ausmus and David Bell, both former players, one of them a former manager and Brad Ausmus. Those guys are now managers of the L.A. Angels of Anaheim and the Cincinnati Reds, respectively. So David Bell going to the Reds and Brad Ausmus going to the Angels. Seems like, and I know some Orioles fans are going to be restless at this point. They have not yet hired a president. They have not yet hired a GM, and they have not yet hired a manager. Guys are already getting snatched up at this point. Are the Orioles behind the eight ball?
1: I, you know what? It's a tough question. I think I think so. Yes, in the sense that I mean, take your time in terms of finding the right play or the, excuse me, the right people going through the process the right way, interviewing, mm-hmm. trying to find the the right person that you want to – because, again, like we said last week, Paul, this is a huge project to undertake. So it needs to be – these are very important hires, not just because you need to fill these positions to move for, forward with the rebuild, but these are guys – or people, I should say, that are going to be sticking around for years to come yeah. and in charge of this. So, But I think the the, the main key he, here is is that we don't really know what they've been doing. I mean, like right. – the, you know, the Mets search has been well documented. I mean, I know it's the Mets in New York market, but, you know, we're – you know, we have a pretty good idea of where they're looking for and who they're interviewing. We've,
0: yeah, we've heard about guys coming in to interview, right. men and women coming in to interview, and some people being told, don't come back. And they're narrowing down, and we've heard about it all throughout the, this process.
1: And the Orioles have been the complete opposite. They're being very hush-hush about it, which yeah. is, I guess, fine, but it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in the fan base right. and maybe even people in the media or in the team. Really. like you know, If you're a player sitting at home being like, okay, you know, I'm watching the World Series. That's Game One. Game Two's tonight. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is going to be over in a week for agency. Then is going to start in ten days. Right. Where Where are we at? Yeah. Well, you know, who's coming in? You know, how How come we haven't heard anything that in terms of the process? Now, obviously, there is this that unwritten rule: MLB does not like teams making major announcements during the World Series during yeah. the playoffs. We saw the the, the uh, Angels and Reds make their announcement on Monday before uh, the World Series actually started. So that's kind of like the loophole in that yeah. unspoken rule. So I, the only days off upcoming are, I believe, tomorrow, yeah. Thursday's a travel day, and then Monday. So, you know, unless something happens on one of those days, we're probably not going to hear something until after Halloween next right. month in November. And at that point, how many other people are going to be off the board? Yeah. So it, I think it's unsettling in in the sense that. The Orioles are being quiet, which, is, again, is fine if that's the way you want to go about it. It just doesn't instill a lot of confidence for the fan base or even
0: the players. Well, these are two guys that are already off the board, and you say the Orioles are three, still two steps away from reaching that step. Correct. Yeah, that's and another point. Yeah, so that's the frustrating thing, I think, for Orioles fans is not just that they're losing out on these guys. Who knows if they wanted to interview these guys, if they were interested in them, but they have to go through president, then GM, then manager. So... By the time they get to November, however long it takes for them to reach those first two major major steps, how many guys are going to be off the board by then? We could have all every other managerial gig closed right. by the time the Orioles are finally ready to interview people. Right, and I mean, again, you would like to think that they have an idea of
1: the people who they. I mean, let's let's be frank and honest. I mean, they made this decision to not bring back Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter a while ago. Right, it just wasn't made public. Yeah. So you know you would have to, you would like to think that they were a little bit ahead of the curve in right. terms of narrowing people down in exactly. interviews. And the fact that we haven't heard anybody, nonetheless, not just heard like a leading candidate, but any names yeah. at all. Like, you know, Rob came in coming in on Mass and All Access last week being like, I've got maybe one name and that's about it. And I yeah. can't even like confirm that that's true. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's an odd way to go about it. Again, do your business the way that you want to do it. But it's, I think, with each passing day, I think we would have had a, we, I would have figured we would have had a higher by now. Yeah, at least one. some, yeah. at least one. <laughs> yeah. And then okay, then you know the you know the dominoes can start falling. Yeah, but you know, now with each passing day, the World Series has started. We're seeing other guys getting picked up. Yeah. Okay, each passing day, we're, they're getting further and further away from where they probably want to be.
0: Well, we were on this podcast eight days ago, Bobby, and we mentioned the reports coming from John Heyman and others that they were interested in Ned Coletti and then Kim Ng potentially to fill those ba- those president and gm spots nothing since then we haven't heard anything yeah so who knows if they got offered the jobs we haven't heard anything you yeah. would think if they had narrowed it down and that was reported we don't know you know if that's confirmed by anybody but we haven't heard anything about those those people whether they have been hired whether they've been offered whether they're already taking the steps to look at managerial candidates so yeah and i I, th- I think the other frustrating part is like you said Bobby they made these decisions a while ago clearly this team this team was out of playoff contention in april pretty much <laughs> yeah. is what it feels like so if you knew that you were not going to bring back both your manager and your gm why would you not get a head start on this you yeah. know it, even if you want to let Especially Buck, see the th- season through as out of respect for him. Right. So that you don't want to, you know, have the embarrassment of firing him after, you know, mid season or anything like that. If even if you're going to keep those guys in place, you would think that you can do some research behind the scenes just to get an idea right. of who's out there, who we want to go after, so that when the time comes that you make these announcements that you're not going to bring back Duquette and Cheerwalter, you already have some stuff to go on.
1: Well, also, who's to say that they didn't do that? And then when it came to the interviews, they're like, "Oh, this isn't the, this person isn't what we thought they were going right. to be." So that, which is a bummer. I mean, that's not, that's kind of out of your control. Being like, "Oh, you know, this isn't actually what we want to go through." Yeah. Um, but from Rakubako's morning piece this morning, and I'm quoting him: were, uh, "An industry source said yesterday, being Tuesday, that a top executive could be named later this week." But it hasn't been confirmed, and the process might drag through the World Series. <laughs> and then he also goes on to say, I realize that isn't much help, but <laughs> updates are scarce. And that's yeah. the issue. It's like, you know, even the media people are frustrated about this because it's like, yeah. we have nothing. I mean, yeah, R- I know Rock and Steve Molesky are just grasping for blog ideas day in mm. and day out because there's no news. There's yeah. not even a hint of news. Yep. So, yeah, it's a frustrating process. We don't know how it's been playing out. It sounds like I mean rock has maybe heard a whisper that they might have landed someone but now they're just waiting to announce it because yeah. and, and that's true. Okay, that's good. That that's yeah. fine cuz that means all right, you you're in agreement with somebody. Now, you know, but yes, an official announcement hasn't been made, but go ahead and um yeah. you know, start look for, start your GM search or start your manager search, whatever it is. So, maybe they are a little he- further ahead than we think and they're just not letting us know yet yeah and so i mean again not all hope is lost just a little curious as to why it's being really quiet
0: and for all we know i will say for all we know they could make those hires it could be president one day uh, president on Monday, GM on Tuesday, manager on Monday. I mean,
1: we could be covering three press conferences on November 1st, Paul. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. again, we don't know. But that's the frustrating part is that we don't know. Yeah. No one knows. And we're seeing other teams make announcements and moves and making it yeah. known to their fan base and, you know, their sh- shareholder stock, whatever you want to call them. So, yeah, it's it's a little frustrating, a little concerning, too. But, you know... Again, we'll we'll see it play out eventually.
0: And I, I guess this is all to say we understand your frustration, Orioles fans. We're with you on that. We kind of feel it too. We we kind of feel it as well. Um, but that being said, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt for right now and just wait to see who they hire. That's yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. It's not when it gets done. It's not about hiring the the guy the earliest. It's about hiring the best guy or girl for this job, right?
1: If they if they wait till December and they still, but they make the right hire at the winter meetings, no one will care. No (laughs) one will care, right?
0: If that GM leads them to the World Series in twenty twenty two, no one's gonna be well. They waited until December (laughs) first, yeah,
1: exactly. So, right again, again, huge, huge hires. Just make sure it's the right person,
0: exactly. So that just about does it for the Mass and All Access podcast. Oh, uh, one quick thing we should talk about Manny and whether he is. Uh, still a villain and whether you still think because we need an update from last week we talked about it on the podcast last week in the middle of the NLDS, nlcs yes, yeah. as to whether manny is still beloved by orioles fans if you still view him highly with great esteem considering all of the things that he has done during the playoffs to make himself the villain of the playoffs since then he has not looked great Uh, I will say. He had a good game one, though. Good game. He's looked good at the plate. Yeah. uh, But he did have the moment in game seven where he reached for a particular area on his body uh, Uh when looking at uh, the Brewers fans. Uh uh, And he has just not looked great overall.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know what Manny's doing. (laughs) I honestly don't know. We talked about it. This this kind of behavior is, one, bad for your team, yeah. I mean, it's not a good look for you and your team in the middle of a World Series run. But also, you're losing yourself money, dude. Like, come on. You're going to be a free agent in yep. 10 days. You're going to be probably the second, if not maybe at least one of the top two highest pursued players on the free agent market. And our team's going to come to you and be like, hey, you're a great player. But your attitude it, yep. and on a national stage Looks kind of bad, so we don't know how much we want to commit to you if you're going to, one, act like this, two, Mm -hmm. piss off our fan base and make our organization look bad.
0: And you also wonder if he partly is uh, maybe thinking that he's just going to stick right where he is, because I don't think at this point, if the Dodgers, they're already in the World Series, whether they win or not, um, it's still, I would say, probably a successful year. Um, getting to back-to-back World Series appearances, and Manny has certainly not let them down at the plate since they traded for him. And he's had good things to say about the Dodger organization. I wonder if he's just thinking, you know what? I don't need to worry about free agency too much. Maybe I'll talk to a couple teams and get some leverage. But I'm pretty comfortable where I am. Maybe I want to stick around with the Dodgers. They're not too worried about well, my antics because it wasn't for it was for their team. You know, it wasn't for anybody else. And he backed it up with his play.
1: Yeah. But do the Dodgers go? Oh, all right. Well, do we want to invest, you know, however many millions of dollars over eight years to this guy right. if you know he keeps bringing negative attention to us again on a national stage? Yeah. Um, day in and day out. I mean, it's you know, if you're gonna trade championships for kind of a bad attitude. I mean, I guess that's the way you want to go. But right. I don't know. It's a tough question. And I, I just I, again, we also mentioned like what is Manny? Like why is he so angry? Yeah, <laughs> what's yeah, what's yeah. what's the angst, Manny? I mean, come on! You're yeah. heading, we- you're leading your team. I mean, the way he performed last night. Yes, they lost, but if he keeps performing like that and the Dodgers win, he could be the World Series MVP. Yeah, he could. So it's like, what what what's what's all this anger for? What's all this buildup? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, relax, dude. Play some ball.
0: I will have say, some fun. I will also say maybe I'll, he's having fun. I'll bet a lot of people, uh, the phones of. Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette, especially Buck Showalter, are probably lighting up at this point because I'll bet a lot of teams who are looking to invest in Manny Machado are asking, "What kind of guy is he?"
1: Yeah. Well, also I wonder if Buck was the whole reason that he wasn't Manny wasn't like this every all the time in Baltimore. Was Buck kind of holding him back? Not holding him back, but like keeping him calm and collective at all times. Because I think we've seen, um, yes, we've seen our fair share of Manny antics throughout the years in Baltimore, but. I feel like they're in a higher volume now ever since he's been, he's been yeah. in L.A. <laughs> More frequently. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Did you see him? Well, you did see him because you put it on your Humpty headlines. Manny say the O during the national I anthem. Did.
0: Bobby caught that and posted it on his Twitter at Bobby underscore Blanco. You
1: can also check M.S. and Orioles for Paul's Humpty headlines. It's all in that video, too. Why, thank you. We're um, just,
0: uh, just patting each other on the yeah. back. Um,
1: I was. I thought I was very curious. I'm.
0: I, we had a conversation, Olivia, with the writer, social media manager, and I. About whether he he actually was saying "oh," I think a hundred percent. I think so exactly too. A hundred percent convinced. Me too. That was what he was doing. And
1: it's funny if you watch my the video. I don't know if you can. I don't know if the volume's up on your video, but right. on mine, on my Twitter account, you can. I asked. I I was like, "Did he just say, oh? And yeah. that's when I went to record it. And you can actually hear my dad in the back. I was watching with my dad. You yeah, actually hear him back and goes like, "No, he didn't say it." Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm pretty sure." He, like, he might not have said it, but he made the mouth movement. Yeah. Because like, how could you not? Literally, your entire professional career, every I mean, Orioles fans travel well. I'm sure all the fans of all the minor league teams that he's played on, yep, in Norfolk, Bowie, say the O to the national anthem. Every, probably, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a far stretch. Every single professional game that Manny's played, he's heard the O. Yeah. So it's like, how is that not just drilled into your brain? Yeah, it's just a gut reaction when you hear that part of the national
0: anthem every night. Well, I went to Syracuse, yeah, and we did the O for orange. So it has been ingrained in me. So I didn't grow up in Baltimore, but I've been doing it since the beginning of my college career. I instinctively do it. I don't say it out loud. Yeah. You know, especially if I'm in a foreign foreign territory where nobody else is. But in my head or with my mouth, I kind of instinctively do the O. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I probably, I guarantee he wasn't thinking about it, but he just said, oh. And I don't think he was thinking the camera was going to be on him. Right. Um, Yeah. It's just an
1: instinct reaction. Like It's like, oh, yeah.
0: And I'll bet you five um, bucks there was one fan in that in Fenway Park last night who said it out loud as well. Who screamed it. No matter where you go, I feel like no matter what sporting event you go to, we go to Nats games all the time. We go to all these different sporting events. I feel like I hear it every single everywhere,
1: time. Everywhere, everywhere. I, I actually love it. I think it's a great tradition because I think I love that. It, it, it. Like you said, you can hear it at any sporting event, but it, like I associate it with the Orioles. I, right. It, it, it uh, originated here, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it was just hilarious that, you know, you can take Manny out of Baltimore, but you can't take the Baltimore out of Manny. <laughs>
0: that's adorable. Yeah, uh, That's something that will definitely tug at the heartstrings. Oh, the yeah. Rants. Yeah.
1: And oh, my God, the reactions on my Twitter account. Kind of, He's coming <laughs> back. He's going to be an order He's for life. He's coming back. <laughs> it's like, hold your horses. You know, you know. That Maybe was, at the end of his career, he'll want to finish in Baltimore, but I don't see him coming back to Baltimore anytime soon. I
0: can't wait for the Manny Machado uh, cover story where it's a black background and he's leaning forward and it just says, I'm coming home to <laughs> yeah. Baltimore, i.e., LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. going to be a beautiful. Still his promise. <laughs> Baltimore! <laughs> this is for you! <laughs> can't wait for that. Lovely. That does it for the Mass and All Access podcast. He's Bobby Blanco bobby underscore blanco on twitter i'm paul mancano at paul mancano again rate subscribe review all that good stuff apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud as well share with your friends thanks so much for tuning in to the mass and all access podcast